VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good night. Welcome to The Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. To the ghosts out in the hall, the paint peeling off the walls, good night. Sometimes I stand between the sidewalk and the sky. And just staring through the clouds as they pass by You have to leave the ground to learn to fly Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, keeping women connected on air with information and conversation on relevant issues for women today. Joining me is my co-host, Lauren Beller-Blake. She's a business coach and expert on women entrepreneurs, also founder of Big Fish Nation. How are you this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I am well. How are you? Good. We have uh, several things coming up in this hour. The first, I'm going to talk to you about uh, an issue that uh, has been bothering me since I got back from vacation and started going full force into my work, troubles that I've been having, and I see that you, as the expert, have addressed it on your website as a blog, so uh, it's a, uh, we're going to talk about that issue in a minute. And also, our guest this morning is Brian McAllister. Brian McAllister is the author of Full Recovery creating a personal action plan for life beyond sobriety. So this is a fellow who is a not only a husband, father, entrepreneur, and author, but someone who has suffered himself. He was an unemployed alcoholic and addict and uh, kind of got himself out of that situation and now 10, 15 years later has been the head of a very successful business and author. Anyway, we're going to talk to him uh, in a little while. But Lauren, um, this is my problem, and I guess it's a lot of other women entrepreneurs, their problem as well, uh, kind of deciding what they're going to do on their to-do list, how to get everything done, feeling overwhelmed. And you labeled it on your, on your website, on the blog, as Big Mother To-Do List. What is a Big Mother <laughs> To-Do List? What is a mother to do? It, well, it's a, I think this time of year is, is especially... There's something about this time of year that I think that we either make up or it's true, and it's probably a little bit of both, that there's a lot to do. So I have a list. I actually have 43 things on my list, and it's impossible. I remember years ago I used to have a list, and I would get it done in a day, and the next day I'd have a new list. It's not that way anymore. I think with all the information that comes to us, you know, through Internet and voicemail and you know, I even have a to-do list from school. My daughter's four-and-a-half-year-old daughter's school. I'm like, oh, my God, there's a to-do list. I have things I have to get done. So, so you, as it's a mother, that list. It's that list of all the in. things that have to be done, and I, I slice it and dice it. I prioritize it by date, and I prioritize it by priority so I can slice it and dice it and have it show up a couple different ways. All right, wait a minute. You've got two lists. You're a mother. You have your list, and then you have your child's list. And if any mothers out there who have two or three children, yeah. they've got even a bigger list. Exactly. All right, so you're talking about 43 things on your list, but you said you prioritize your list in terms of what needs to be done, what you have to do each day, I assume. 
But do you, if you're doing it by importance and by date, how do you work that out? Because well, you can't. Well, there's always. It'll help you see what's. You know, based on how you put it in, it will help. Will help me see what needs to be done. And it's impossible to get it all done. That's what I think. That's what's the most important point is that you will get it done, but you can't expect to get it all done today. Impossible. And if you expect to get it done today, and then you get anxious, at least I get anxious, because I have to say, I don't have as many things on my to-do list as you do. I have like 10 things, but big things. Some of the little stuff I can let go. But I have to planning, and I think I mentioned this last week, planning a major fundraising event is one big thing. And you can imagine all the stuff that's going along with that. It's making me so nervous. I have to give <laughs> it's huge. It. And that's like a hundred things. That's a hundred things. But one thing on your to-do list is plan the event, which cracks me up. Yeah. <laughs> but all of those things. So it makes me anxious, and I can't do all ten things in one day because there are big things, as you say, like planning a fundraising event involves a lot of other stuff. Not just, That's the overall thing, right? So then what do you do? do you, I mean, you say on your blog, you say... Identify three things that you will Because it's impossible to do even more, much more than that. So yeah, identify from that big list just three things that you're gonna use, you're gonna focus on today, and let the rest go. And when you do that, you're gonna find that you're feeling slightly successful at the end of the day. That's what we want. We don't want to end the day feeling overwhelmed for the next day. So why do you pick out three things, and how do you pick them out? Let's say you have forty-three things. So I'm getting back to that. You have forty-three things to do on your list, mother to-do list, and all of them are important. Maybe some of you probably could cut it in half, right? No, I could not cut it. I couldn't take one off. Oh, all right. So 43 things, what are they? And what are you going, you don't have to list the 43 things. No, and some of them are like, you know, I'm keeping track of it. There's a spot of where I want to buy, you know, for Sierra for Christmas. So it's like, it's way down on the list, but when I think of something, I add it. So it's on this little list. It's a list within a list. Christmas. My mother asked me what I was doing for Thanksgiving, and I said, I just got off the beach. I can't even think about Thanksgiving. And I think your mother is very, very normal. She starts as soon as school starts, as soon as September hits, we all start thinking about fall. And I think that's really normal. She's a planner. Let's get back to what we do specifically. <laughs> I don't want to talk about my mother. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about, obviously, this planning thing and making a to-do list and accomplishing it is something that, I mean, it's not just unique to you and to me. I mean, there are a lot of people out there, as witnessed by people who responded to your blog, um, how helpful it was to try to do these, your three things tactics, this one woman described it. She described it as a miracle tool, picking three things. Some of this stuff is so simple, but we don't seem to do it. No, but I do think there's something very rewarding for so, from selecting those two things. There's something extremely, see, for me, for me to be a really successful entrepreneur, we need to set ourselves up for success. And that huge long to-do list does not do that. You know, we feel overwhelmed. So many people feel overwhelmed by all that they have to do that they do nothing. So, so if you can pick, you sometimes fa- your day is so... That sets you up for failure if you're going to make this long list that you can't accomplish. So it don't does. do that. It does, and we get we at the end of our day we feel more overwhelmed because there's five more things to add to the list because of the day. So we really need to keep track of the list, and the list is I like I like to it's my new thing I've been calling it the big mother to do list because it's just a mother of a list. It's huge, 
And it's not possible to tackle in one, you know, even if I had three days off in a row, I don't think I could tackle it. So that reality makes me say, but I could do one today, or I could do two, or maybe even three. And based on what my schedule looks like, I get to choose that. And you need to set yourself, we need to set ourselves up for success. And when we do that, we feel a little momentum. And then tomorrow we can say, you know, I could do two more, maybe, you know, based on my schedule, or maybe three, depending on what the day looks like. Really important. All right. That's. Yeah, that's a formula. It's a great formula. Can you give us, like, a really specific example, like a story, because everybody relates to that more. Give us an example in, in your, a specific personal kind of thing that you're able to do that, that you've done. The past week, because this was, like, a really busy week, as you say. It's a really busy week. Um, you know, I had on my list, it was, and I don't, so I used to have two separate lists. One was personal and one was business. Um, I don't do that anymore. I put it all together and identify usually two business and one personal or vice versa, depending on what's, what's feeling like it needs attention or what time. In other words, it might be a Saturday. Maybe it's a day to get a couple of those personal things off my list. Um, yesterday I had a couple personal things on the list. I, my, both my daughter and I needed a haircut. We absolutely needed a haircut. Between the last three days we got it done. Check, check, got them off. And it was something that was hanging on for the last month. You know, we both... I'm, Terrible. Needed it done. Wasn't doing it. Um, and then I had a couple really big, momentous work things that I really wanted to accomplish that I was feeling like, you're never going to get there. Yesterday was the day. Decided yesterday was the day to tackle these two big things. And one was reaching out to someone that I didn't know that um, someone had recommended I call. And it's been hanging out. You know, like, do it. So it was the day. When I put it on my short list, you know, my three, the three-item list, it gets done. Uh, two, you know, I want to respond to that, Lauren, because I think two things that you said. Um, if you have something hanging over your head like that, something, let's say, a business thing that you're supposed to be doing, and yeah. you don't do it, it, I think it zaps energy from you. Each Absolutely, day. it takes away from you, even if you're not aware of it. It takes away physically and from your mindset, like you, because it's always there and it's always getting in the way. So until you do something about it, until you respond to it however you do, whatever the act, whatever the responsibility or activity is, it's always hanging there and it drains you. It, and we talk about that in the blog. It's all about the to-do lists are, and that's the blog you're talking about, right, the one where we talk about energy? Energy. Oh, yeah, well, I think the to-do lists or the yeah. lack of doing the things on your to-do list zaps your energy. It actually pulls, it makes us feel lower energy, which is not a good feeling. That's not the place where we create success from. And so I think if you feel stuck, this is another thing that you said, if you feel stuck, and like you said, you needed a haircut, Sierra needed a haircut, so you got and you did it, and sometimes when you have those things that you have to do, I know I feel like, well, if they're not that important, I should just put those aside and get to the big stuff, but I find if I do that, and I did that yesterday after reading your blog, seriously, I, had to get, I came back from the beach, my car needed to be... I, my license plate in the front of the car had got well, I crashed into a rock, so it came off. Oh no! And it needed to be put back on, and I needed oil in the car, and you get the car washed because it's been in the you know the sea and the salt air isn't good for it. That kind of stuff. I needed to buy a new scale to get weight on because my scale doesn't work. I had a whole series of those kinds of. And you things. went and did them. I did them all yesterday. Good for you. And that's just a few of them. And it, it took me, and I had to go grocery shopping and, you know, because I had no food in the house and supplies. I mean, I can go on and on. Uh, pick up my mail. Uh, it, you know, it's boring. But and don't you, know you feel what? excited? Doing, now I'm free to do today what I, the bigger stuff. But if that stuff had been hanging over my head, 
it doesn't happen. Yeah. It, it, the big stuff doesn't happen. So, and there is, um, I always think that you have to have one on the list, one out of the three, that's sort of like a, I like to call them bold actions. You know, it, it's been hanging on, but it hasn't been done. So, and that really makes you feel good. You know, the thing that you keep saying, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. Like you said, like calling this important person that you're kind of reluctant to call, but you find Yeah, and it. the other one that's been hanging on for me personally that I haven't done all month that needs to be done all month of um, August is this last chapter for my book. You know, it's, I thought my book was complete, and my editor, after reading the whole thing and looking at the big picture, says, no, I think we need to combine these two chapters and you need to write one more chapter, and it's been like a nagging to-do list item. Now, I can get that done. I'm a pretty, once I sit down and focus, I can get that done in a night, three or four hours, done. But I as a done therapist, I'm gonna, I have to add something to that because I think finishing a book, finishing whatever, is, is like a huge it's thing. It's huge. And so that involves not just finishing the project, but that's a whole emotional thing of it's complete letting go. Uh, you've created this baby, and now you have to take care of it. There's so many issues there. Exactly, yeah. And you're not ready to do that or they're i mean they're i think they're normal kinds of issues but like completing that book because then if you complete the book then you have to sell the book and you have to market the book and then you can't keep saying well I'm still writing my book which is exactly you know I'm I'm in the process uh, and so especially when it comes to creative kinds of things cuz then it gets scary cuz then you have to put it out there and maybe no one wants to read it no but I know everyone's going to want to read this book but it's, well, this one's been a, my first one. Yeah, so those are big. I think it's important to put a couple big things on. And I'm sorry, let me clarify that. One thing, like one thing that's been hanging on, and what I find is, you know, writing a chapter of a book for me is a, as I said, it's a one-night process, but it means I can't do anything else, which is why it hasn't been done. And um, I do know that when I finish that, as you said, I'm going to feel like Wonder Woman. You know, I'm going to be able to tackle the next big thing. Or it's also going to free you up. This is another piece to it because, like, you finish, you've been writing this book for a long time. You're emotionally invested in it, time, energy, money, all these things that are invested in a book. Once you, that frees you up, then you can't use it as an excuse. You know, I know so true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes when I'm doing something like that, it's like, well, I'm doing a play. I'm doing, so I can't do this. I can't be on this committee. I can't do this for you. I can't because I'm doing, um, you know, I'm, I'm in, in, involved in a production or something. Uh, you know what? I'm done. Now I have to address the other issues. That's, that's right. Yeah, so to-do lists are so critically important to our success, and I don't think that we could see it as a big, huge, those, this huge ongoing list. We have to break it up. You cannot eat that elephant in one day. Impossible. You cannot eat that elephant in one day. We're going to take a break. <laughs> Just remember that. You cannot eat that elephant in one day. Coming up in this next half hour is author Brian McAllister, Full Recovery, Creating a Personal Action Plan. And I guess we're always talking about personal action. That's what it's all about. This particularly is for life beyond sobriety. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, with my co-host and business expert, business coach, founder of Big Fish Nation, Lauren Beller-Blake. We'll be back in a minute. Don't go away. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. He'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zotz, your social worker with a microphone, keeping women connected on air with conversation and information. And my co-host, Lauren Beller-Blake, she is founder of Big Fish Nation, and you can go to bigfishnation.com, and committed to helping women entrepreneurs to create financially successful and sustainable businesses. So uh, you have two experts here, and our guest, uh, my next guest is Brian McAllister. He's author of Full Recovery, Creating a Personal Action Plan for Life Beyond Sobriety. He is a husband, father, and he's also an entrepreneur and obviously an author. Um, And he himself uh, suffered from uh, an alcohol and, well, alcohol and drug addict, I guess. He had two addictions, dual addictions. Correct. And um, was able to become sober and be the successful person that he is today, not only an author, but I guess he is also um, leads a workforce of 1,800 people producing nearly half a billion dollars in annual sales. So this is a real success story. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Brian. Thank you. It's nice to be here. That's quite a story. Here you were. I mean, you, you, uh, you're not only, you are the expert, you've lived it, You've walked the walk and talked the talk, I guess, of being an addict and then becoming sober and then being very successful. Yeah, it's been it's been quite a journey, and I've been blessed, and that really was the reason for for writing the book because my success can be taught, learned, and duplicated. Uh, everything that I I picked up along my way, uh, 
really can be can be shown to other people and they can accomplish the same things. It's a matter of taking the same steps. All right, so Brian, who who are we talking about? And we're talking about people who have addiction problems, alcohol, drug, and estimated, and this is just an estimate, but 27 million alcoholics and addicts residing in the United States. That's a huge population, big demographics. These are the people we're talking about. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about that statistic is that they figured out that NIDA uh, has figured out that uh, each alcoholic or addict negatively impacts at least four people. So, so really, it's just, it's a huge, huge problem. It's really become the plague of our modern time addiction. But in your book, and I guess the premise, and, and and I want to talk about that for a minute because the premise of the book is not simply how to get sober uh, or how to. Uh, how to recover from your addiction, but how and and lead kind of you know okay you're not addicted anymore you're not physically addicted you lead your life and you just I think you even mentioned this a mundane life and you you get by but this is not what we're talking about you're not talking about getting by you're talking about becoming sober and becoming successful. Absolutely, it's about reaching your potential. This isn't a book on how to get sober. There's some great books and programs written on that. I mean, obviously the twelve steps has helped. Millions of people live in recovery one day at a time. This book is how to move beyond the mediocre, how to enjoy the life that you're created to enjoy. Uh, for myself, not reaching my full potential uh, would, have, would have forced me to start moving backwards. It would, it would have uh, gnawed at me and bothered me, and I believe that that's a major cause of relapse, real-life challenges that people face that are never dealt with. They get sober. They go far enough to get sober, but then they don't take the same... Uh, action in every other area of their life. So, Brian, tell us about your, your story, because, I mean, this is going to be the inspiration, I mean, listening to what you were able to do so that you, okay, get sober, 12-step program or whatever, you know, the programs that people use to get sober, but then you didn't relapse or you, didn't, you were able to do this and re- really get ahead and become very successful. So what, what's your, how did you do it? Uh, well, what happened was once I got sober, well, for starters, the first realization I had was that the reason I got sober was by following instructions from people who knew how to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. Uh, prior to that in my life, I had been taking advice from people who weren't getting the results I wanted, and I got the same results they did. So what I did was I started studying all I could about success and successful people. And the leap worse for me is... Uh, by staying sober and realizing that first part, that I was doing it by following instructions for people who already had a new, knew how to get and stay sober, would the same things work in finances? Would it work in business, career, with my marriage? Um, and the answer was yes. So I took it on faith, and part of that faith came from um, developing a higher power of my understanding. It got me sober to begin with. Uh, so what I wound up doing was, uh, when I got out of a, a rehab situation, I wound up taking a, a, a very um, menial job unloading trucks. I had no no marketable skills, and uh, a, a person had told me, you know, a lot of things that you have that you've been misusing are your gifts in life. And I didn't understand what he was talking about. He says, I, you know, you you you're loyal. You you can read people. He goes, these these gifts are are, are part of your 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 journey and you've been misusing them to, to, to stay alive on the streets as a drug addict and an alcoholic. If you could focus them at business, he goes, if you could focus them in a positive manner and combine them with the moral principles needed to stay sober, there would be no stopping you. And that's, that was really the beginning of my journey. All right, so Brian, but then, Brian, how did you do I mean, that sounds good, but then here you are at this menial job. You've just gotten mm-hmm. sober, no drugs, no alcohol, but 
that's a huge leap to say, now I'm going to take all those skills that I have, loyalty and, and, and focus and, and all those kinds of things, and do it in the right arena. How did you actually do that? What did you do? Wake up in the morning and say, okay, I'm not going to do this job anymore, this menial job, and I'm going to Absolutely go. Absolutely not. What I did was I started right where I was. I went up to the lead man in the position that I was at, and, I, and rather than most people waste valuable time trying to undermine people and their superiors or, or things of that nature, I did just the opposite. You know, being, being a nonconformist and an alcoholic who usually didn't follow direction, I did just the opposite of what most people did. And I went to somebody and I told them what my plans were, and I asked them for their help. And I told this man that I will do as much as I can to help you get promoted if you will teach me what you know. And that's what I did. And I formed a true working partnership with this gentleman. And I started pushing him up the ladder. And every time he got promoted, I was right behind him. And thanks to his recommendation, I started coming up behind him. So I actually started pushing him through the ranks of this company. Um, and that really was the beginning of it. And I started taking advice from him and other people. And the further I went up the ladder, the more people I was exposed to uh, that were able to help me out. And it's funny because... Alcoholics and drug addicts, just think of the intense single-minded focus they're able to, to, to uh, focus on their, their self-destructive ways. I know how creative I could get when I ran out of a drink or a drug and none was available. I took that You're same so right. power I mean, of focus. I think I told you, uh, we were chatting a little before the show, I mean, I used to work in a drug and rehab hospital in New Jersey, and it would be amazing to me, people who had no, seemingly had no money, no place to buy the stuff, how clever they could be in terms of getting that money to buy the booze or to buy the drugs and come up with the, you know, come up with the money, come up with the stuff. And I, I was always baffled by that. And, and that's exactly right. Uh, typically, alcoholics and drug addicts are as intelligent or you know, as anybody else on the street. And, again, those are gifts. A lot of people don't have that motivation. My motivation was being directed in, in, in a different area. So at first I had to get sober and stay sober, and then second I had to decide what to do with it. If you look at the word relapse, it actually means to go backwards into sin. So I couldn't go backwards. I had to keep moving forward, and that's what drives me on even with this book is to keep moving forward and help other people. Do you ever have times when you feel like, oh, my goodness, I can't do this anymore? I mean, we all do. I mean, even uh, you don't have to be a recovering alcoholic or drug addict, but, like, you get caught up in your success and you – you feel like, what am I doing, and uh, afraid of going back to the way you were, starting to drink or doing drugs? Or I, I assume that you're in some kind of a program, uh, that you, uh, I, you know, a 12-step program or some, or therapy or whatever, or both. Yeah, I stay very close to the recovery community, and, and that's one way of making sure that I never go backwards is by... Um, see, I never realized that giving and receiving are two sides of the same coin. By helping people recover... I've been able to stay sober. By helping people achieve wealth, something always overflowed into my pocket. By helping my, my family, I've gotten the joy that comes with giving. So um, these are all things that I was taught as a child, but I never really thought they applied to me. And uh, I, I found out that the, the basics is, is really what, keep, what keeps me happy and successful. Brian, how helpful is your family? I mean, how important have they been in terms of supporting you or not supporting you, or probably a little bit of both at different times, I suppose, and depending on what you were going through? Absolutely. I'm blessed. I'm married to the same woman for 33 years. And my story is I was leaving That's that. That's better than Lauren and I. <laughs> you know, it's a blessing. It really is. She's my best friend, and she's my biggest supporter, 
and and without her, I would be a very unhappy person. You know, I, I can tell you that. But she, of course, you know, at the end of my run, uh, we our, our marriage was in tatters, and uh, she was hanging on by her fingernails. And my irrational thinking and my addictive behavior caused me to keep doing. You know, my rational thought patterns just brought more and more tragedy into our lives. And what happened was she did stay in, in, in with me, and she got better and I got better. She went to a program for herself to deal with her own issues, even though she's not an alcoholic or an addict. And I got better by working on myself. And when we both did that, we got better. Well, would she be described as an enabler, or is, does that just come along? At one time, she definitely was. You know, in the beginning, we got married very young, and we uh, we lived like the... Uh, the, the biker lifestyle, and we traveled around the country, and, and it was the 70s, and things were a little bit different, and excess was more acceptable back then. And what happened was uh, she had a child, and we had a child, and she decided this is not a good way for her to live. And I just, my addiction, because of my physical addiction to alcohol and drugs, and my mental obsession with it, I just kept going down that road. But when she finally had enough, and I had enough, um, we came together. I can only describe it as a moment of clarity. One day I woke up, and it was no different than any other day. Um, I have, I've had a horrific lifestyle. I've, I've been hospitalized sometimes for like months and months at a time, motorcycle accidents, bike, uh, car accidents, all the horror that goes with active addiction. But what finally caused me to come in here is I realized I was losing my wife. I was losing my mind. Um, I was unemployable. I really saw a shop or in my future, just walk around mumbling at myself, and I asked my higher power, so I called God for help, and God answered my prayer. Well, it's, I think, well, it's it's good, or I, I should say, I don't know exactly how it happened, but the two of you together, you know, you talked about that moment of clarity, you both had it, I, I assume, somewhat simultaneously, so that you could stay together and begin to work on your, on both your issues, because it's, it's, yeah, it's a family problem, as you I, say, I, it affects... A year later, before I got into a, uh, a rehabilitation center, that she had been attending meetings and trying to work on herself, which is also good, but she got healthier, you know. Um, and, like again, she got better and I got better. We both worked on ourselves. We both became uh, adults, and we decided that our relationship was important, and we work on it. We make time every day to work on it. It's not something well, I, well, We're going to take a short break, Brian, but when we come back, I want to talk specifically because you give actual, in the book very specific steps about how to go through this process and um, you know for a full recovery you describe a kind of a three-part system which I assume that you've done you've done with your wife with your family and that then others can follow also by reading the book full recovery creating a personal action plan for life beyond sobriety Brian McAllister he'll be back with us don't go away I'm Catherine Zox your social worker with a microphone and business expert Lauren Beller Blake Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Saunier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Saunier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. 
go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. If you want to get ahead, you have to stand out from the crowd, the clutter, and the competition. Are you? Tune in each week for Standing Out with Lauren Saunier. Lauren and her guests have the secrets that can help you and your business get noticed, get attention, and achieve your desired results no matter where you're starting from. Standing Out with Lauren Saunier, live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Get ready to be a marketing machine. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. My co-host, Lauren Beller-Blake, that's a tongue twister, big business coach, expert on women entrepreneurs, and our guest, Brian McAllister, author of Full Recovery, Creating a Personal Action Plan for Life Beyond Sobriety, and I imagine you can buy this book, obviously, uh, online, bookstores everywhere. That's Brian McAllister. Brian's been telling us, I mean, he is... Do we still say a recovering alcoholic? You always use the continuous I-N-G, recovering addict. It's never... Exactly, exactly. I'm never fully recovered. I have a daily reprieve depending on my spiritual condition. Okay, we've got... Good. All right. So anyway, recovering, and you've been telling us your personal story. I mean, how, you know, back in the 70s, biker, and you and your wife married 31 or 33 years. Amazing. And the two of you... uh, somehow realizing, well, once she got pregnant and you had a baby, this is not for us and we're going to change our lives, which you did. Tell us, a little, you know, before I have a couple other questions, but I want to know, like, Brian, what about what about your son? What about the rest of the family? How did, you know... Well, my, my son uh, lived lived the life of uh, a biker up until he was about 11 years old. Uh, we were living on the West Coast. I was the kind of guy who parked the Harley in, in the living room and thought that made sense at the time. <laughs> so that really, you know, it gives you a little idea of where I was at. Um, what happened, though, is my addiction progressed. I wound up uh, going deeper and deeper into really insanity, and I had to make a decision. My wife started making complaints. I started blaming my addiction on her. If, if she would just leave me alone, if she, you know, who am I bothering, that type of victim mentality, uh, I wouldn't have to drink and drug so much. So the day finally came when I had to make a decision. Would I choose my family or would I choose my addiction? And my addiction won out. How I was did you leaving my wife now? 11 years my... old, his father's parking his Harley in the living room. What kind of life is that for a kid? You know, a social worker would say, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Like pre-pubet, exactly Absolutely. pre-pubet. What's going to happen to him? Yep. So that's, that's, that's how it went. And when I, when I was leaving my wife and son on the West Coast, I wound up having a, a severe motorcycle accident where I broke my back. They were amputating my leg, and uh, all kinds of horror came down. And the first one to show up at the hospital was my wife, the one who I was leaving, the one who was, uh, I was considering a pain. And uh, my son, 
Uh, it took me two and a half years to get back on, on my feet after that accident. And uh, you would think that'd be enough to get me sober, but uh, the drive for addiction was, was stronger than that, and I went out for six more years. Did they amputate your leg? No. As a matter of fact, it was the first miracle. Was a doctor who didn't work in that hospital came through the emergency room, saw me there, been out of medical school for three weeks. Oh, and my he, God. He performed an experimental operation. He moved me to another hospital, grabbed my wife, said, you want to save that? He put, made a, a titanium shin bone for me and put 19 bolts in my leg and saved my leg. So it's, my life is full of miracles. It, it, another miracle, as I understand it, is your son, or it seems to me it's a miracle given how he's turned out. Tell us about his Well, he, he saw the, he's, he's seen both sides of this world. He saw the total dark side of addiction. He's seen the, the effect it took on myself and my friends. Most of them aren't with us any longer. Uh, and he's seen the other side, the successful side, the, the, the side that, that has moral values to it, the side that uh, wants more out of life. And my son has become the first person in my family to graduate college. He's very successful executive at the Wall Street Journal. Um, he's, beyond that, he's, he's a good man. He's, I appreciated his, his humor and his companionship more than words can describe. So really that accident turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me because without that, I would not have my son, I would not have my wife, and that's why adversity is quite often an opportunity to be embraced. Well, got to look for the less. adversity, but I hope that one doesn't, and maybe that you do, I don't know. Do you have to have some that kind of a crisis? To, does that have to happen to you before you're going to turn your addiction or your alcoholism pro, uh, problem, um, do something about it, turn it around? I mean, because that's a, I mean, that's sort of the, they say you have to hit rock bottom, that was your rock bottom. But does one have to do that? And, and that's one question. But also, Brian, I am so um, – we're probably a similar age, and I have a lot of friends who have uh, – too many friends and relatives who have kids growing up in middle, upper-middle-class families with all kinds of advantages, you know, good education, mm-hmm. good parents, attentive parents, like, you know, playing sports, uh, going to even Ivy League schools and winding up addicted to drugs – and addicted to alcohol. And then recently, um, a friend of mine's son uh, was found uh, uh, dead in his home, uh, and he was this outstanding, outstanding kid, and um, an addiction problem. Yeah, it touches everyone. And the first question is everybody has to hit a bottom, but we all get to decide how low that bottom is. Some people are quite high. They just don't not feel good being out of control of their faculties or to get a DWI or something. Other people go through the whole gamut, mental institutions, jails, divorce, everything, and we all get to choose how low we want to go. Um, as, as far as, you know, the addiction problem right now, you know, it, it, science has t- showed us that there is an addiction gene and it's part of our DNA, but I believe it's far deeper than that. We're not happy with who or what we are. We're not living the truth. And that's part of the book, too. It, it, it shows people how to discover what their gifts are, what their truth is. Everybody's here for a purpose. And if you're not fulfilling your purpose, you'll never be happy. You'll never be successful. The best way to be successful is figure out what you enjoy doing, what you do well, and then follow that direction, you know, where it leads. And I really believe that, that people aren't happy. Like, all this pressure for success and, and, um, and, and perfection produces a universal sickness known as anxiety. When people get anxious enough, they start medicating. So finding your truth, that's a really good 
I think that's a really good way of saying it because it kind of answers my next question. I was going to say, do you think that, and maybe it's a combination, you know, is it society that kind of drives us or drives people to, to drink, literally, or is it just our own internal stuff that, we, you know, it's our reaction to society or we're not seeking the truth, no matter, you know, people say, well, if somebody lives on in, in the inner cities and their parents aren't there and their parents are addicts or they don't have any money, you can understand how they would start doing drugs or taking alcohol. But here a kid lives in a, you know, suburb, middle-class suburban neighborhood, and yet what are they doing? Why are they, why are they, you know, drinking and drugging, and what's the reason for it? I guess you're saying it's, it's, it's more internal. I mean, the... I, I believe that it's, it's part nature, but it's part nurture, too. You know, it's fear. It's a fear-based reality. What do we do? Fight or flight. We run, you know, and that's it's, what started for me is a pleasurable escape turned into pain, you know, it grew uncomfortable, then it got painful, and the pain got, got great enough, like my bottom, then I looked for other options, and like really, when it comes to addiction, as, as sad as it is, uh, pain is the best friend of change. Brian, can you describe, like, the point, the actual point, where you went from just, it was pleasure, and it was fun, and then there was a point at which it became not fun, but you kept doing it, that self-medication? Is there a point, or, or, or it was too gradual, too insidious? I, I believe I was, I was an alcoholic from the first time I had a drink, but I, you know, I, my delusion was I could control it. By the time I was in my early 20s, I knew I was an alcoholic, but I didn't count on the progression. It's a progressive terminal illness that always gets worse over time. So I didn't realize how bad things were going to get. You know, it's, uh, my, my mantra was, I could stop if I want to, I just don't want to, you know, which is very common around uh, recovery programs. Which is the denial, which I remember when I was counseling um, people who had drinking problems, they, that was exactly what they would say, I can stop if I want to, then I'd say, okay, then stop for a week. <laughs> exactly. Stop for a week, come back, you can start drinking after that, see what happens. Never yeah. happens. Exactly. We'll gladly refund your misery. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. And oh, that is part of the denial, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. But again, you know, if you can get past the, detox deals with the physical aspects, 12-step programs show you how to get spiritually grounded and remain abstinent. And really where full recovery picks up is, is how do you move beyond that and take it out into the material world, take all those things you've learned and become a productive member of society and ultimately happy for your contribution. And that's really, I've been blessed in this life to, to figure that out. And what, and what I did was I put this down in, in a program of action that anybody can easily follow. It's not just a book you put down, you feel good. It's actually a course of action. Yeah, and it is. It's a really good read. I mean, I recommend it for anyone who, you don't have to be suffering from your own sobriety problems, but as you say, a family member. I mean, if you're not sober or, and, and you're doing drugs and you're affecting everybody else in your environment that you're close to, family, work, all of it. So this book is for everyone, not just the person, I think, not just the person who wants to remain sober and be successful. Absolutely, absolutely. It's universal truths in there that apply across the board. So, and we can get this book, as I said, I just want to mention this again online. Do you have a... um, a website, Brian, or is there a yes, website? Yes, I do. It's www.full-recovery.com. But the book is actually it's available on Barnes & Noble, Borders, you know, all the major players, Amazon, and uh, but also it's available at www.full-recovery.com. 
Well, fortunately for you or unfortunately for everybody else, you have a huge, you have a huge audience of people who want to uh, or should be purchasing the book. 27 million alcoholics and addicts, I've got to repeat this demographic, residing in the United States alone. So good reason to buy the book. So nice. Thanks so much for sharing today. It was really great having you on the show. And thank you so much for, for bringing this important, uh, you know, disease and issue of our country to light, and it's National Recovery Month, so it's great to get the That's awareness. That's I forgot, National Recovery Month. That's right. <laughs> Thank <laughs> have you. A great, have a great day. We'll have you back on the show. Brian McAllister, Full Recovery, Creating a Personal Action Plan for Life Beyond Sobriety. I'm Catherine Zock, your social worker with a microphone, Lauren Deller-Blake, business coach and co-host. She and I will be back in a minute. Don't go away. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Fox, your social worker with a microphone, and my co-host, Lauren Beller-Blake. And uh, if you've been listening, we, talk, we were uh, talking uh, to Brian McAllister about his book, Full Recovery, Creating a Personal Action Plan for Life Beyond Sobriety. You can buy that, bookstores anywhere. Um, addiction is a big problem, Lauren, as, as we discussed, 27 million people, alcoholics. I, I think it's getting worse, too. I'm sorry. This is on a lighter note, I guess, but I have an addiction problem, and I have become addicted to Scrabble on oh, my iPad. Oh, no. You're addicted? I'm addicted. And this goes I, directly back to our first conversation today around the to-do list. It will interfere with your to-do list. Take Brian's advice. <laughs> read the book. I do need to read the book, Lauren, and I read your blog. Now I have to read the book. It is affecting my to-do list. It def- I woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning, got picked up my iPad. I was playing three games, because you can play as many games as you want, I guess. You can. You can keep playing and playing. And you can keep playing and playing. Then I went online, and I looked about Hooked on Scrabble, You're Not Alone. 
And apparently uh-huh. there are a lot of us out there who are playing online on our iPads and who are addicted. You know, don't you're the you're the social worker. Addiction is an addiction is an addiction. What am I going to? And uh, you know, an addiction also is defined as when it interferes with any part of your life, significant others, your your relationship with your children, your boyfriend, your spouse, your work. So is it your, interfering? It is. <laughs> Tell me how. It is. I'll be the I, social worker today. Barry came over yesterday, last night for dinner. And I had gone, as I told you, I did go to the grocery store and I did do what I was supposed to do. But then I was playing in the midst of a game with Sean, whoever Sean is, uh-huh. wherever he is, because I'm playing Internet Scrabble. And I said to Barry, I can't help you with dinner because I have to finish this game. I went grocery shopping so you can cook the dinner, and you, which, okay, fine, but usually I help. And then I just want to when he finished... When he finished, Lauren, this is this is a description of this does define an addiction um, because it was interfering. Usually, we sit down and we talk about our day, and you know we have this is a time that we can you know chill out time. And I didn't do that. I just kept playing. I said I can concentrate. I can talk to you and play at the same time. And we had an argument. I bet. So that is the definition of an addiction. Now, whether or not here's one. Have you ever, do you know what an intervention is? I do, yeah. Okay. Do you need one? I may need an intervention. <laughs> but I, I probably don't because I'm so aware. I'm not in denial, at least. I know I have a problem. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to work on to, I'm going to send an email to Barry. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> we'll get rid of that. You know what? I have a solution. You could send me your iPad. I'll take it over. Oh, no. I love my iPad. I know you're I addicted love, to love, it. I love my iPad. I just, it's, that's, and I carry it with me wherever I go. It's sort of become like, you talk about addiction, it's become like a telephone, like a cell phone. Nobody can leave the house without their uh-huh. cell phone. My, I can't leave the house without my iPad. <laughs> what are you going to do about your addiction to Scrabble? I'm going to have to limit myself. I'm going to have to not allow myself to do it. But here's a, you know, I can do my own intervention program. Uh, this isn't exactly. Oh, that's like an alcoholic getting in their own recovery program. Well, this is what I not allow myself to play before nine o'clock in the morning. You know, not if I get up and I have insomnia, not to play Scrabble, but to read a book, and not keep the iPad in my bedroom. There are a lot of. De- I have all the tools. I you just need to do it. Yeah. What if you rewarded yourself, like get two things done on your to-do list and then you could play Scrabble? Yeah, I could, that's a good idea. But right now I can't wait to finish up my last game, um, which is part of the problem. I want to leave people with some information, though. You, you know, I asked you, do you know what an intervention is? Because we have been talking about addiction. Uh-huh. And, you know, people listening to Brian and his story and what to do. and But there is... If anyone is listening, and seriously, they do have an addiction, a drug addiction, gambling, alcoholism, eating disorders, I can name a lot of them, like self-mutilation. Um, well, here's one, television or computer or video game usage. I guess there I you do go. That. Yeah, that is part of the problem. Okay, if you have that, if you're addicted to anything that affects your health or your family adversely, you may need an intervention. And there are steps to take. If you know somebody who really is suffering from any of these and they won't do anything about it or they keep saying they don't have a problem or they can stop any time, uh-huh. when you, you 
can actually have an intervention. And but before doing that, you need to talk to a counselor or a therapist to make sure you're doing it correctly, where you gather family and friends and you bring the person in who has the problem. And you actually um, talk to them about how their behavior is affecting each one of these significant people in their lives. And you need to rehearse the intervention um, be sure it's very well organized, you know, have a list of things that you want to cover, um, talk about the consequences to the person when you bring him to wherever you have the intervention, like if he does, he or she doesn't stop or take action or go see a counselor or do what they, uh, to, you know, get, to uh, help themselves, that you, there'll be consequences to it. Like, you know, if you're a spouse, you may say, I'm going to leave you and actually do it. Yeah. Because it's serious stuff. And I think this whole intervention concept is very interesting because it doesn't leave everything up to the authorities or it doesn't leave the individual up to having to do something totally on their own. It's done in a, in a, in a kind of, in an atmosphere of love and caring. Absolutely. There's a tone to it that is not angry or mad. It's, no. Yeah. And, and when you're confronting, and I don't like to use the word confronting, but if you have a person who has, let's say, like Brian, a, a drug, an alcoholism problem, a drinking problem, who says, I can stop any time, um, you, you don't want to be accusatory when you're talking to the person. You want to be, put everything in the eye form. I feel upset when you drink. I feel upset when you scream at me after you're drinking. Always, you know, you're not accusing the person. Of, of doing something because that makes people more defensive. But anyway, interventions are, 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 are critical. So I did want to bring up that because, you know, having talked to him, um, I think that this is one, this can be one step in the process of getting help before someone will actually go and get help. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. We have to say goodbye. Oh, no, we don't have to say goodbye. We've got, we have a few more minutes. Um, so I hope that well, I don't want you to do an intervention on me with my Scrabble. First, I'm, not in, I'm not into denial. I won't do an intervention on you. Yeah, but I um, want to play Scrabble. <laughs> no, I do not. Have you ever done it? No, I haven't. I had another friend ask me if I would play, um, have you played word, uh, Words with Friends? No, what's that? Uh, that's that like... another one, and my friend, she loves it. She's, it's like Scrabble but online with friends, but you would know who they are. Maybe it is the same thing. I don't know, but it's not called. She calls it words with friends or something. Well, you can do the Scrabble thing. You can do it as a public game, or you can, you know, just you can, you put the word out there that you're looking for someone to play with you, or you could do it on. You do it on Facebook. And then when you do it on Facebook, then yeah, but I have. But it's anybody who's on Facebook. Like you, you, you yeah. go to the Facebook website. You log into the Facebook website. Then you play Scrabble on Facebook. So it's people who are on Facebook can find you to play Scrabble. I'm not with playing you. Scrabble to add to your addiction. I'm sorry. I will have a cocktail with you, however. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I do that too. A cocktail every night with my mother, so it's okay. Does your mother play with you? No, she's not no. a game player. Got it. Uh, no. So yeah. you're going to get to work on your to-do list this week then? Yes, I'm going to work. Yes, let's just finish up with what we started with, with the to-do, the to-do list. And I have several. Uh, I'm going to put three things on for today. Excellent. And You can't play Scrabble till they're finished. And I can't play Scrabble till they're finished. And then three, th- should, I forgot to ask you, should it be three things every day? 
Well, that's what I was the point I was making early on. It doesn't have to be. In other words, if you have a, let's say you're going to, you know, you're going, you have a, you're going someplace you're all day. You're going for a day trip. Of course, you're only going to put maybe one thing on that you can do maybe by in the car. But so you're going to look at your day. How is your day planned, and what's your schedule? So you have to adapt your to-do list to whatever is happening to you. But one thing you don't do is just put it off and say, it makes me so anxious I'm not doing anything. Exactly. Okay. Now we're going to say goodbye. It's and been now a I'm pleasure. Going to do my to-do list. Have a great week. You've been listening to Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, Lauren Beller-Blake, business coach and CEO of BigFishNation.com. Have a great day and... We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.